0: We're going to be in chapter fourteen. Chapter fourteen, starting in verse twenty-two, and I just want to welcome you. Um, if you're living in Southeast Manitoba right now, um, every second you're breathing, you've accomplished something. Um, unless you're one of those water bear microscopic organisms, um, these are all near-death experiences, and so you know you can you can get the metal you can get one of those apps on your phone that put a crown on your head when you're taking pictures of yourself cuz it's just so good to be alive when it's this cold outside amen where we've got the magic of turning windows into ice shields overnight which is a wonderful thing jack frost is very busy i never believed in him until i had to get my <clears throat> window scraper for the inside of my bedroom all right enough dad jokes get on with the message, right? We're in the middle of February, and we've devoted this month to praying and having messages towards finding freedom in February. And if you're with us last time I was explaining, part of the heart behind that is that many of us are really not feeling free these days, and we want to push back against those feelings of depression, lockdown, feeling constrained, the frustration that comes along with that, as well as even just almost the trauma that comes along with so many crazy events having happened the last little while. We want to push back against that by looking to Jesus, who is our source of true spiritual freedom and true, true spiritual power. And so last week, which was the end of January, we started off just by declaring that Jesus is freedom. This man this God man who has come down he actually is freedom so much so that in 1 Corinthians it says even if you were a bond servant back in the early days of the church you were already the Lord's freed man and you ought to see yourself as free in Jesus and belonging to Jesus and able to do whatever he wants you to do because he's God and i want to continue on with this this kind of this theme of finding freedom in in February, finding freedom in the Lord in February. And we're going to be talking about fear and anxiety a little bit, because this is one of the big things that makes people not feel free, is the experience of anxiety, the experience of fear, as well as sometimes the anger and frustration that can come along with that. For many of us, um, the road to anger from fear is like being in a water slide. You end up there pretty quick. And so that can be something we're all experiencing. Excuse me. So today's message is called Jesus over fear. Jesus over fear. And I want to... um, Give us a bit of an attitude posture here. This is not a guilt trip for anybody who's experiencing fear or anxiety in these days. My experience over the months as I've been ministering to people and talking with people is that anxiety is one of those things that Christians regularly feel but are deeply ashamed that they feel. It's one of those things that when people feel it, especially for a long time, there can come along with this this sense of like, I must be failing the Lord, I must be being unfaithful, I must be letting him down and I don't want other Christians to find out because they'll probably think something's wrong with me and I know there's something wrong with me and I'm trying to deal with it and I can't fix it and would you just leave me alone so I will just suffer in silence and I'll just deal with this all on my own and and Jesus will be disappointed in me and I'll be separated from my brothers and sisters in the Lord. And that is not the heart here i want anyone to be able to come to calvary chapel and say i feel anxious all the time and find friends who love them and accept them and are willing to help as much as there's welcomed room for help amen because most people who deal with chronic fear and most people who deal with anxiety already know there's something wrong and wish they were freer than they already feel and so i i just want to say my tone this morning isn't to condemn or rebuke or correct but to invite us afresh to look to the Lord Jesus Christ and find our peace and comfort in the man who came to be the rescuer for everyone who's stuck in fear and everyone who feels anxiety. And one of the things we can do if we're around people who have anxiety or fear is just check our own hearts. Do we dislike being around people who are afraid? Does that make us feel uncomfortable? And so we kind of go after them because their fear and their anxiety makes us feel insecure and makes us maybe feel afraid or makes us feel frustrated. So we go after them. Not necessarily because we just are desperate for God's best in their lives and to see them free in Jesus, but because we find that uncomfortable. And so that's something we can do. And I'm trying to push back about any discomfort I might find because somebody's feeling anxious or afraid so that I can be a true servant of the Lord and bring them grace through Jesus instead. And so that's my heart for this message today. But we 're going to go back to one of the f- most familiar stories of the Bible that day that evening, excuse me, maybe early morning, maybe late evening, where Peter got to walk on water with the Lord Jesus Christ and this is one of those stories that i um, i have I regularly avoid. I may have preached on this once before, but One of my character faults is that I have this sense of wanting to be just a little bit original or creative or new, right? Because I don't want to ever be boring. This is one of the things that, you know, it's like, I don't know if it's in the Bible anywhere, but boring at church seems like a bit of a sin to me. So it's like, if you're going to do something old, you should at least bring a new angle to it. Because God's never boring. And even the old God is always fresh. You know, like, God's never on that rack in the back of the store where it's like 90% off because it's like eight eight seasons ago, and they just can't get rid of it. God is amazing. God is the most beautiful thing, and God is always renewing. We know that this terrible winter right now is preparing for us the most amazing spring rebirth, where hundreds and maybe millions of cubic feet of of Just dead dirt is going to turn into the greenest, most amazing fields of sunflower and wheat and everything amazing. That's being earned, and God is always preparing for that next one. So God's always fresh, and he's always new, and I want to imitate him by being fresh and new. But sometimes that includes going back to the oldest Sunday school stories of all time and just asking the Lord to help us see it with with new eyes. Amen? So let's read this story together, starting in verse 22 of chapter 14. Immediately he, Jesus, made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. This is right after the feeding of the 5,000. And after he dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. They got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. Father, as We explore the story that you've given us in Holy Scripture, which is your story from your history, told the way you want it to be told for your people's sake through all time until Christ should return and bring all of human history to an end. God, I pray you would give us ears to hear exactly what you want the church to understand through this, as well as individual ministry by the Holy Spirit to each person. Lord, you know that I know that each person is in a different place than everybody else and i know that you know exactly what they're going through and you by faith want to help by grace and so this is my desire lord make this story count for eternity and to do the works that you sent your word to do and not return to you void and this is my hope and expectation in jesus name and all god's people said amen they said amen even if you didn't hear it they did they did they're faithful bunch i love it all right so let me just start by looking at this story and saying there was lots to fear in this story, even more than the storm that the disciples found themselves in, because how did they get there? There's always a good to ask, you know, you want context. When you, if you want to read the Bible well, you want to always ask, what's the context? What's the background? Help me to understand what's really going on here so that I understand what you really want to say, God. And I want to say that just to remind us that there was lots to fear for the disciples at this time. Why were they in a boat? They were in a boat because they had traveled to a desolate place to be alone with Jesus, but had gotten chased out by these crowds that had followed Jesus. And the reason they went to a desolate place in the first place is because Herod had just beheaded John the Baptist. Okay, so if you want to trace the story back, how did they get into this boat? It wasn't just that they were like Sunday afternoon cruising in their catamaran. They were trying to spend some time relaxing and fulfilling a hobby. And sometimes people are here, right, during that time. And so you get to rip off of their life and they get to feel exposed. It wasn't just that they were trying to have a good time boating. They were on the lam. They were on the run. They were supposed to be in hiding. Because the king ruling over that area had just killed the most popular prophet to arise in the last 400 years. Who also happened to be Jesus' relative. And also happened to be the guy who launched Jesus' public ministry. Okay, So this was as close to killing Jesus as a politician could have gotten without actually killing Jesus. If you read the news on a Monday morning and the headline was Palliser Beheads Pastor and it was me, would that stress you out at all? And maybe make you wonder if Greg is next or the worship leader who were just here on Sunday were next. Would it stress you out? That was what they were on the run from, political violence against their ministry cohorts, okay? And so that was their background. And I know right now a lot of the stress of these days is, is this the big one with political oppression, right? And it is not comfortable at all politically, and you wonder what's next, that was the ba- the disciples weren't wondering. They were they were meeting down in Piney to hide out from the fuzz in Winnipeg who had just suddenly executed someone that they had imprisoned. For real? So there was lots to fear. And if you feel anxious about what governments are doing, this story's for you. Now, while they were on the land, and hiding out and trying to have their secret discipleship training camp in the middle of nowhere, 5,000 men with an unknown amount of women and children in tow showed up to this secret discipleship training school in the middle of nowhere. And Jesus seizing the opportunity, didn't ask for enrollment, didn't ask for tuition, just started training them, and they were all invested in this. But what happened was that they were running out of food, which brought out another common fear amongst the disciples. They started talking amongst themselves, and they started realizing, look, these guys are all here for Jesus, and they're getting Jesus, and that's great, but they also eat and now we're running out of food, and we potentially have an angry mob on our hands soon. Not only supremely disappointed in us personally in our performance for able to being able to feed them and do ministry that they might enjoy because they're getting prayed for, but they're also starving. But hungry mobs turn into angry mobs. Forty years in the desert of Israelite history as proof. Amen? So here the disciples are thinking, they're starting to get worried about these people. People pressures, people fears, ministry result fears, public performance fears. They're feeling all of this, and they come up with a plan. They tell Jesus, Jesus, you need to get rid of these people so they can go and find something to eat before something bad happens, essentially. And Jesus says to them, no, why don't you feed them? And then he performs this this amazing miracle of producing all of this food to feel feed, excuse me feed this crowd out of like nothing pause the nerd part of my brain always wonders are there literally more molecules in existence because of these miracles than there were before end of nerdiness but that is just weird like did the earth get heavier i don't know how does it work Maybe we're farther away from the sun because of it, and that explains Manitoba. Whatever. Anyhow, Jesus performs this miracle, and this is when he decides to send them away in the boat. And the disciples go from potential political fears to people ministry fears to physical death because of natural phenomenon fears. And even though A bunch of them are fishermen they're not doing well rowing and they've gone through the whole night against the storm and this would have been supremely uncomfortable for them and then so jesus decides to come and meet them and he's walking on the water because how else is he supposed to get there so he comes walking on the water and he adds to their lingering political fears and their lingering ministry fears and their now present physical fears he adds to them supernatural fears they see this man in the dark in a storm coming towards them and they think it's a ghost Right? It's like the quadrecta. I don't know what's the four version of Trifecta. It's like the four four fears all together politics, people, nature, the supernatural. They've got it all. But the so there was lots to fear. But the great news was that they were literally in the midst of a Jesus-designed, faith-growing lesson. Because who decided it was time for them to get in the boat right before a big storm came away? Jesus. And who stopped the storm as soon as he was done proving his point and got into the boat? Jesus. This whole event that we're analyzing now where Jesus shows up and Peter's going to walk in the water, was 100% organized by the great teacher in order to prove a point to Peter for all of us for all of time. Amen? So if you wonder, is this story for me? This is for you and me. Point number two. And the first lesson... For all of Christ's disciples is this. The opposite of fear and anxiety isn't peace. The opposite of fear and anxiety is Jesus. The opposite of fear is not peace or the absence of fear. The opposite for us, for Christians, of anxiety is more of jesus and that's the point why do i feel afraid so you can ultimately have more jesus why do i carry anxiety so that you can learn more about the lord jesus and appreciate more of the lord jesus and grow in the lord jesus why do i say that i don't think it's any mistake how this is written Verse 27, right after the fourth watch of the night and they're tired from the rowing and Jesus appears and they think it's a ghost and the scripture says they cry out with fear. Jesus, it says, immediately spoke to them saying, Take heart. It is I, Do not be afraid. And when I look at just these words, you have one, this command, take heart or have courage. And on the other side, you have this command, don't be afraid and don't be scared. And right in the middle... Right in the middle of taking heart, which is kind of what we want. Don't you want to be brave? Don't you want to have courage? Don't you want to feel good about the future, whatever it might be? And don't you want to not be afraid? And don't want, you want to cast off anxiety? And don't you want to be fear, um, fearless? Between the thing you might want and the thing you want to get rid of is Jesus saying, It is I. He's the change, and he's the point, and he's here! He's here! It is I! And I love it! It's like, he's like, he gets right at the heart of the issue, guys. It's going to be okay because of me! Not because I'm gonna change your chemicals or change your thinking, though he will do that. It's gonna be okay because I'm here! And so for me, I just keep telling myself the opposite of anxiety is not getting free from anxiety. It's my Lord. It's Christ. It's God coming Jesus. It's Him. It's Him. So if I'm afraid, I need Jesus, not peace, though He brings peace. If I'm anxious, I need Jesus, not a change of circumstance, because it's Him. It's Him. It's here. He's here. It's Him. Oh, it's so good. Jesus, thank you for being alive. <laughs> thank you for you. And church, if you never felt afraid again, but you lost Christ, would you make that trade? A lifetime of never feeling fear, but know Jesus in this life or eternity. Would you make that trade? Well, when you put it like that. And one of the reasons I'm kind of emphasizing this is because one of the things in our culture that we can do is we can make our feelings into like an idol, right? Like the good life is a life where you feel loved and you feel strong and you feel peaceful and your feelings are just the way you want your feelings to be. And you know what? Those aren't necessarily bad things, but they're not God. And as Christians, we can even kind of halfway be in there and just saying like, if I was really the real deal, I would feel different and I want to feel different and it's got to feel different. And we can make an idol out of our own human feelings. And we can even get frustrated with the real God who we really have because our feelings aren't doing what we want to do in order to be worshipping our feelings the way we want to have all our trust in feeling the way we want to feel. I can't be in peace until I feel a certain way. And all I'm trying to say there is, we we can do do ourselves such a favor to take our eyes off of how we're feeling and put them on the risen Lord Jesus and say, I want to worship you, Jesus. This is what we were singing about. and This is what Jacqueline was talking about. Let it start with worshiping Jesus and not having an image of my perfect internal life that I want to attain to. First, let all these desires bow the knee to Christ. And we can go from there. The second thing I love about this, after we learn that the opposite of fear is Jesus, it is I. Take heart, don't be afraid, because I'm here. I'm the opposite of fear. I love how Peter responds. He wants to come under Jesus' word. He says, and it says, Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And this is such a weird way to respond. Like, in one sense, who, who, who has the desire to walk on water so in their heart that when they see somebody else doing it, they want to do it right away? Like, that's, isn't it weird? if it's really you, uh, call me out. <laughs> what a weird response. And uh, Peter, Peter's a bit of an action guy. He wants to respond to everything by taking action, it seems, and that's great. We need people like that. Makes Puts himself in a weird situation every once in a while. But he wants to come under Jesus' word because he was one of those guys that was terrified a second ago. And he's still not totally sure what's going on. But he says to Jesus, Jesus, if it's really you, command me tell tell me to do something and i don't know what is all going on here but at least from the telling of the story i think we can come under there and say like when we're afraid turning to jesus in part means saying jesus let your word of truth and power come and speak to where i'm at Let your truth in your scripture, let a promise from the Psalms come and command things to change. I don't want it just to be me manipulating things. I don't want it just to be me trying anything. Jesus, command the transformation that I desire. And let it be that you command me to come closer to you. If you're out there on the water and I'm here in the boat where it's a little bit more safe than where you are, but actually a bit more fearful than where you are, command me to come closer to you. Send your power. Send the truth of your word. Speak it so that I might be empowered to draw nearer to you according to your word. And for many of us, the journey of growing in anxiety and the call is, is to come and re-treasure afresh the truth of God's word. Coming to our particular situation saying, Lord, I want to submit myself to your truth when I'm feeling like this. I want your word to come and speak to the lies in my mind that are terrorizing me and terrifying me and aggravating me and let your word come speak your command through scripture to my mind and let the result be that i am closer to you amen interesting three number interesting point number 3 interesting three number 4 that's what I was about to say okay speaking of the word being true you can't have an interesting three that's number 4 that's just not going to happen all right one of the things about the story that it teaches us and I think we've been touching on this is that so much of the christian life is an eyesight issue not necessarily a feeling issue We don't know exactly what was going on in Peter's heart from one second to the next. Other than that, when he looked at the waves, he got afraid. But what this story tells us is that as long as Peter was looking to Jesus, he was given everything he needed to come to Jesus. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid or the wind and the waves, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out, Save me, Lord. And this is probably the most insightful moment in this whole story. When he was looking at Jesus, the water did what it needed to do to get Peter to Jesus. When Peter took his eyes off of Jesus and saw legitimate (laughs) threats, he began to sink. And this is one of the things that's so interesting to me is like when you're standing on water, from personal experience, or have you known, when you're standing on water, <laughs> waves and wind can appear to be legitimate threats. Amen? When you're in a boat, wave and winds can be legitimate threats. But when you're just standing on water, waves and winds would seem to be, naturally speaking, something that you'd want to keep an eye on. But that was the problem. As While he looked at Jesus, he could stand on the water. When he turned from Christ, legitimate threats cause, started causing a real problem. But when he was looking at Jesus, he could stand on the water. <clears throat> and for me, I've been spending so much time this week just in my mind's eye seeing the face of Jesus. Just telling myself I can stand. In my mind's eye, just going, This this, this is faith. And this is truth. I cannot go back in time to that night to literally see Jesus and thus stand on the water. But I can use the gift of my imagination to enter into the truth of Scripture and see in my mind's eye the Lord Jesus Christ standing on the water. And as long as I look to him, I can stand. I can stand anywhere. I can stand anywhere. And that's part of the point. Peter could stand anywhere when he was looking to Jesus water just happens to be one of those things that regular people can't stand on <clears throat> but this this is the core and you guys know it just like I know it everything in the world wants your attention right now half of it's bad news but when you're looking at Jesus you can stand even if the waves don't stop and even if the wind wind does not calm When you're looking at Jesus, you can stand. When you're looking at Jesus, you get the grace you need to stand. When you're looking at Jesus, you can stand. And so much of what we're going through right now is just training to show us, you don't look to me here, you don't look to me there. And I'm not saying that with any kind of guilt trip, but hear the good news. When you're looking to Jesus, you'll stand. And I don't know how God does it. But on that night, all those years ago, a man stood on water because his eyes were fixed on Jesus. And God was talking to you when he did that. A man can stand on raging waves if he'll fix his eyes on my son. In the midst of of many frightening things, you will stand. You will stand. Now, all of you who have been a Christian for a while and know that you can't always trust yourself to be in faith, I really love what happens next because this whole moment of Peter learning about saving faith and real faith doesn't super end well for him because of the looking away. And so we find Not only are we able to stand when we look to Christ, we find out what Jesus is like when we have those moments of weakness, then we do get distracted and we do get overwhelmed. And we learn that Jesus is our safety net. Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and took hold of him saying, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And I just love this moment. I mean, like, Jesus is so good. He's right there. And if he were the kind of God who was on the lookout to crush people, all he had to do to punish Peter's lapse of faith was nothing. And Peter would have fed the fish that he had been feeding to people for all these years as a fisherman. Poetic justice, right? You've you've caught fish and fed them to man, and now the fish will eat you because you took your eyes off of me. It could have been so sweet, you know. You could add T-shirts, you know, Peter, fish food for lack of faith. It would have been awesome. We would have made a thousand bucks, maybe more. But what does in this moment of training for the church? What do we learn about the character of Christ when Peter has his lapse and his fall? When Peter's when it's time for him to be ashamed and to maybe die? the King of glory and the God of all grace reaches out his hand and grabs him. And this is our hope as Christians. We all know that we will not be able to perform by faith perfectly for the rest of our lives. But we do know the one who will grab us when we begin to sink. We do know the one who will will lay hold of us before we die. Because he's the king of glory and he walks to us on the water in the midst of the storm. And when we look at him, we stand, and when we look away, he grabs. And so it is so good to be grabbed by the Lord. But he also, you know, he's not, sometimes we can miss these little training moments. And Jesus is, doesn't, even though Peter is doing something that nobody else gets to do besides God. It's like Peter on his resume. He still gets to put, walk 10 feet on water. You know what I mean? Like even though it didn't end the best possible outcome, he still did something nobody else does. But when he sinks, Jesus still teaches. And he still calls him to deal with his doubt. Even though he's done something so miraculous to walk on water by faith, when he sinks, Jesus still says, hey, you could have done better. I could have helped you do more. If you kept your eyes on me, your ankles wouldn't be wet right now. And I just, I just there's something about Christ where we should just remember that all of this stuff is, co- is meant to cause us to grow in our faith. All of this stuff has this little, have you been doubting? Yeah, I've been doubting. You don't have to do that. You can grow in your faith, oh little faith one. You can grow in this. You can grow in this. If you fail, I'll pick you up. So, you, But you don't have to fall. So keep growing and keep looking and keep keep reaching out. And what this does for me is, you know, so many of us are, are anxious, not even necessarily because we think a terrible thing might happen, but we're worried about how we're going to respond to that terrible thing. Or maybe we're worried because we think that if I respond badly to the terrible thing, that's going to be the time where I prove that I'm not really a Christian or I'll never be useful or that God's wasting his time on me and we can actually layer up fears on top of fears on top of fears. And this story has just the antidote for everything. You can stand if you look to Jesus and if you look away, he will catch you and he won't give up on you doing better the next time. How do you know Jesus is done training you? We come to your funeral. And that is a thing of hope. The Lord is still hopeful for you. He's still hopeful for your growth, and He's still hopeful for your fruitfulness. And it might look different tomorrow than it did today, but He still got faith for you. Amen? Amen? So, band, you should come. We're going to worship, we're going to pray. As a reminder, if you didn't get the memo, at 11.30 we're going to open up a Zoom chat for prayer. If you would like prayer ministry, at 11.30 we're going to open it up. The link is on our YouTube channel. The link is also on our website, thecalvarywebsite.com. The link is also on our WhatsApp prayer, Calvary prayer thing. And if you would like someone to pray for you, why don't you come there? This is a bit experimental. We've never done this before, so we're going to have to figure this out as we go. But, church, let's do this. If you've been anxious, number one, I want you to start off by giving yourself some grace. In the name of Jesus, don't beat yourself up anymore. Jesus died for anxious people. He died to rescue fearful people. He died to be the God and lover of souls of fearful people and anxious people. He came to be the remedy and the worshipped one and the hope of anxious and fearful people. And so in the name of Jesus, believe you are justified by faith through grace. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. And turn your eyes to Jesus afresh. And if you're wondering if you can keep your eyes on Jesus for the rest of the day, I want to tell you by the grace of God, even if you don't, he will catch you. He will reach out his hand from heaven and he will lay hold of you. And he will keep you up. And then with love, he will say to you, I want to increase your faith. And I want to help you be able to keep your eyes on me more in the future. So there is hope, and there is hope, and there is hope for you. And so, Father, may you, for the name of Jesus, work in your church, your best purposes. Lord, would you help us to rise above all of our circumstances. May our hearts find healing healing from the present, healing from the past. Lord, you know what it's like for your disciples to have years of circumstances leading up to a moment. And so God, I pray for healing and I pray for truth to renew minds. And I pray, Lord, for supernatural grace to keep hearts and minds fixed on you. In Jesus' mighty name, would you do this for your glory?